Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 24th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get started with our fraud report. A man who allegedly scammed a Murrieta business owner out of workers' compensation money while working elsewhere is facing a felony charge. 49-year-old John Jose Ramirez allegedly accepted workers' compensation from Andy's Glass and Window Company on Jefferson Avenue in Murrieta. He could face three years in prison if convicted of fraud. Ramirez allegedly was accepting benefits from the state compensation insurance fund while working elsewhere and remaining active. Rachel Naylor, who owns the business with her husband, Mike, said that he allegedly hurt his knee in 2008. The couple initially kept him on in an office setting, but after Ramirez allegedly made threats against an employee, the Naylors fired him. Sometime within the next few years, Naylors said she was aware that Ramirez was collecting workers' compensation benefits while running his own glass business and remaining very active. But it was not until 2011 that a case was filed against Ramirez, who was being represented by a deputy public defender. Naylor said that she kept vigil over the case, sending the insurance company pictures of his company's truck and information about Ramirez still working, even as she paid the high premiums caused by his claim. Deputy District Attorney Mike Maiman says that the case should be either resolved or move on to trial in the very near future. Ramirez is due in court September 21st for a felony settlement conference, which has been delayed a few times because of extenuating circumstances. The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office reported that the owner of a window cleaning company who earlier pled guilty to workers' compensation fraud and failure to pay taxes was ordered to pay over $321,000 in restitution. The 48-year-old Kennedy paid the full restitution amount with a cashier's check. The case arose when one of Kennedy's workers reported that the company was paying its workers in cash and refused to provide the workers paychecks with normal deductions for disability, Social Security, and payroll taxes. The Employment Development Department investigated the allegations. Prosecutors charged Kennedy in May 2011 with 51 counts of workers' compensation fraud and failure to pay payroll taxes. He pled guilty to three of them, and the remaining 48 counts were dismissed as part of a plea bargain. The U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California announced that a doctor already serving a lengthy prison sentence in a narcotics case has been convicted of health care fraud for submitting approximately $1 million in fraudulent bills to Medicare in just seven months. After less than a day of deliberations, a federal jury convicted Dr. Owusu Anahe Farimpong of five counts of health care fraud. 61-year-old Firempong resided in the Crenshaw District of Los Angeles and had been practicing in the Los Angeles region for more than three decades. He was convicted of submitting fraudulent bills for nerve conduction tests and sleep studies that were never performed. According to the indictment, Firempong operated the Major Medical Center Incorporated and the Marine Family Medical Center in Fountain Valley. As a result of the fraudulent bills, Medicare paid him nearly $700,000.
During a four-day trial in United States District Court, prosecutors presented evidence that Firem Pong obtained information about Medicare beneficiaries who were not his patients and then used that information to bill Medicare. The evidence presented at trial showed that Firem Pong repeatedly lied to Medicare about services he claimed to have provided at clinic locations from which he had been evicted. The jury also heard expert testimony from a neurologist about Firem Pong's patient files, which contained so many internal consistencies and improbably identical results that they appeared to have been a copy and paste job. As a result of this week's guilty verdicts, Firem Pong faces up to 50 years in federal prison. Firem Pong is scheduled to be sentenced by United States District Judge Gary A. Fess on October 10th. A search of a workers' compensation defense firm case database revealed that his companies have filed lien claims in pending workers' compensation cases. Firem Pong is currently in custody after being sentenced in Michigan last year to 324 months in federal prison in an unrelated cocaine trafficking and money laundering case. The case is currently on appeal. Billing software blamed for higher risk of electronically enabled health care fraud. Electronic medical records long touted by government officials as a critical tool for cutting health care costs appear to be prompting some doctors and hospitals to bill higher fees for treating seniors. The federal government's campaign to wire up Medicare started under President George W. Bush, but the initiative hit warp drive with a February 2009 decision by Congress and the Obama administration to spend as much as $30 billion in economic stimulus money to help doctors and hospitals buy the equipment needed to convert medical record keeping from paper files. In the rush to get the program off the ground, federal officials failed to impose strict controls over billing software, despite warnings from several prominent medical fraud authorities. Now, a Center for Public Integrity Investigation says that decision could come back to haunt policymakers and taxpayers alike. Experts say digital medical records may prove, as promised, to be cost-effective, allowing smoother information sharing that helps cut down on wasteful spending and medical errors. Yet Medicare regulators also acknowledge they are struggling to rein in a surge of aggressive and potentially expensive billing by doctors, and that has been linked to rapid proliferation of the billing software and electronic medical records. A variety of federal reports and whistleblower suits reflect these concerns. Regulators may lack the auditing tools to verify the legitimacy of millions of medical bills spit out by computerized records programs, which can create exquisitively detailed patient files with just a few mouse clicks. Federal officials claim that this is a new era for investigators. The Center for Public Integrity has recently documented how some health professionals have seemingly manipulated Medicare billing codes to gain higher fees. The investigation unmasked thousands of doctors consistently billing higher paying treatment codes than their peers, despite little evidence in many cases that they provided more care. 
According to the center's data analysis, some of the sharpest surges in more costly coding have occurred in hospital emergency rooms, where billing software has been widely used. Interviews with hospital administrators, doctors, and health information technology professionals confirmed that digital billing gear often prompts higher coding, thought, though many in the medical field argue that they are simply recouping money that previously was failed, that they previously failed to collect. Electronic medical records can influence pay scales known as evaluation and management or EM codes. For an office visit, a doctor must choose one of five escalating payment codes that best reflects the amount of time spent with a patient as well as the complexity of the care. The lowest level for a minor problem, 99211, pays about $20, but the doctor can bill roughly $100 more for the top level. These are the same codes used for workers' compensation treatment bills. Hospitals use similar codes for billing emergency rooms and outpatient services. The subjective nature of the coding process has left the medical community and those who pay its bills in constant conflict. Many doctors and billing consultants argue that most practitioners habitually charge too little because they neglect to put down on paper all of the work they do. Government officials have yet to step in and settle whether the hundreds of software products on the market consistently prompt doctors and hospitals to bill at higher levels than they did prior to going electronic and if the higher fees are merited. A Los Angeles physician assistant who stole the identities of doctors to write medically unnecessary prescriptions for expensive, durable medical equipment and diagnostic tests was sentenced to serve 72 months in prison in connection with an $18.9 million Medicare fraud scheme. 50-year-old David James Garrison was sentenced by U.S. District Judge Consuelo B. Marshall in the Central District of California. In addition to his prison term, Garrison was sentenced to three years of supervised release in order to pay nearly $25,000 in restitution jointly and severally with convicted co-defendants. After a two-week trial in June of 2012, a federal jury found Garrison guilty of one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud, six counts of health care fraud, and one count of aggravated identity theft. The trial evidence showed that Garrison worked at fraudulent medical clinics that operated as prescription mills and trafficked in fraudulent prescriptions and orders for medically unnecessary DME and diagnostic tests that were used by fraudulent DME supply companies and medical testing facilities to defraud Medicare. Garrison wrote the prescriptions and ordered the tests on behalf of doctors whom he never met and who did not authorize him to write prescriptions and order tests on their behalf. The trial evidence showed that Garrison's co-conspirator Edward Aslanian and others owned and operated several Los Angeles medical clinics established for the sole purpose of defrauding Medicare. Aslanian and others hired street-level patient recruiters to find Medicare beneficiaries willing to provide the recruiters with their Medicare billing information in exchange for expensive high-end power wheelchairs and other DME, which the patient recruiters told the beneficiaries they would receive for free. Often, the solicited Medicare beneficiaries did not have a legitimate medical need for the power wheelchairs and equipment. 
The patient recruiters then provided the beneficiary's Medicare billing information to Aslanian and others or brought the beneficiaries to the fraudulent medical clinics. In exchange for recruiting the Medicare beneficiaries, Aslanian and others paid the recruiters a cash kickback for every beneficiary they recruited. Garrison and his co-conspirators submitted over $18.9 million in false claims to Medicare and received $10.7 million on those claims. And in regulatory news, as a result of the passage of Senate Bill 863, the Department of Industrial Relations Division of Workers' Compensation is scheduling working groups to discuss regulation proposals. DIR Director Christine Baker said that regulations will be better if there is input from the workers' comp stakeholders. The initial working group meetings will address regulations that need to be adopted first in order to comply with the deadlines prescribed by the new law. Five meetings will be held on October 2nd at the Elihu Harris State Building, 1515 Clay Street, Oakland, California, as follows. From 9 a.m. until noon, the topic of independent medical review and related utilization review and qualified medical evaluator issues and independent bill review will be discussed in the auditorium on the main floor. From 2 to 4 p.m., the lien filing and activation fee will be discussed also in the auditorium on the main floor. From 9 to 11 a.m., vouchers will be discussed in rooms 1 and 2 on the second floor. And from 1 to 2.30 p.m., home health care fee schedule regulations will be discussed in the same room. And finally, pre-designation and the cap on chiropractors as primary treating physicians will be discussed from 3 to 4.30 p.m. in rooms 1 and 2 on the second floor. Incoming CA president Larry Stern of the Mallory & Stern law firm said his priorities as president would include implementation of and education about SB 863. He says that CA will lead efforts to ensure fair implementation of SB 863 through regulations and perhaps cleanup legislation. He says that CA's education program will be crucial to inform advocates for injured workers about the new law. Stern says that CA led the fight to fix SB 899 and will continue to fiercely advocate for fair treatment of Californians injured doing their jobs. There are concerns that there are entire sections of SB 863 that were written at the last minute and are undefined. It will take a broad team effort to help make sure those provisions are implemented to the benefit of injured workers. Cause elected leaders for 2012 and 2013 also include Brad Chalk Esquire as legislative chair, Jim Butler Esquire, president-elect, Bernardo Delatore Esquire, treasurer, and Bert Arnold of Boxer and Gerson Esquire as secretary. Mr. Stern is a past president of the Southern California Applicants Attorneys Association. Legislation shot by, sought by both industry groups and plaintiff lawyers designed to streamline enforcement of the Medicare Secondary Payment Program has now been passed by a House panel. The legislation, H.R. 1063, is the SMART Act, or the Strengthening Medicare and Repaying Taxpayers Act. It was reported out by the Health Subcommittee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee 
and was drafted by both Republican and Democratic members of the committee. The bill would clarify industry reporting requirements under legislation enacted in 2007, which requires reimbursement to Medicare for payments made to people who are also paid through workers' compensation or liability claims. The MSP process is supposed to ensure Medicare is reimbursed for medical bills that are the responsibility of another party, such as an insurer or negligent party. However, the legislation is somewhat changed from the bill originally introduced in March 2011. Among the revisions, the current bill would require the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to maintain a web portal accessible to Medicare beneficiaries so that beneficiaries can determine when claims are paid, including those specific to an injury or accident. Amendments to the bill also require CMS to provide a secure way for beneficiaries or their representatives to access this website. CMS requires all parties involved in a claim to notify CMS within 120 days of settlement, and CMS will be required to establish a process of appeals of payment determinations. Beneficiaries would also have to send a CMSA signed notification of intent to appeal under the revised bill. The bill gives CMS 65 days to ensure the website is up to date with the latest claims. A Senate companion bill, S-1718, was introduced last October and now has 19 bipartisan co-sponsors. It is unclear whether the Senate will accept the amendments to the House bill. Officials from the American Insurance Association say the bill, if enacted, will improve and speed up claim settlements for Medicare beneficiaries while continuing to appropriately reimburse the Medicare Trust Fund. And in financial news, Fitch Ratings provides a comprehensive data analytical tools and risk services to fixed income investors and other market participants. Fitch reviewed the effects of SB 863 that refashions the state's workers' comp insurance system and issued the following guidance to their investors. Fitch Ratings believes the changes will result in a slight net benefit for the insurance industry. The new law was enacted in part to improve the operating environment for insurers. It is also intended to lower costly workers' compensation insurance premiums for employers while increasing certain benefits for injured workers. Workers' compensation is currently among the weakest performing underwriting segments in the U.S. property casualty insurance industry. California is among the weakest performing states for workers' compensation, with an estimated 2011 accident year combined ratio of 136%. With the overall in place, with the overhaul in place, insurers are expected to be able to cut costs in a number of ways. These projected savings reveal that the current round of reform will not rival the success of the reforms established in 2004. These changes will help to avert market crisis conditions, however, similar to those experienced in the early 2000s. However, the modest anticipated savings also indicate that further price increases are required in the California workers' comp market to return the market closer to an underwriting profit and attract underwriting capacity to the state. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and much, much more. 
And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for the WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.